This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am not, as always, joined by Dr. Brendan Miller. I am instead joined by our guy, Ryan Herrera. Filling in for Brendan, he's got some personal stuff to deal with, so the Brendan Hive will have to live without him for a week but ryan always happy to have you with us here yeah yeah definitely always i mean i'll do my best brendan impression i'm not gonna have you know how many graphs for for everyone sorry um but that's that's brendan's role and i'll i'll try to bring my uh reporter's cap on and my analyst hat i hope at some point to hear you talking about you know either seam shifted wake or horizontal Mm -hmm. break or Something like that. Yeah, if you're um, going to be waiting, if you're going to be waiting for that. You're going to be waiting for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but we are coming to you on Sunday, June fourth. The Cubs finishing off a really nice week of baseball uh, that started at Wrigley Field against the Tampa Bay Rays. The Cubs took two of three in that series and then go to San Diego. Uh, they take the first two of three, and I actually, Ryan, had to be reminded that this was not the finale in this series. I was texting our uh, Slack group this morning that when Cody tweeted out on the CHGO Cubs account uh, that Stroman would hopefully help the Cubs at least earn a split in this series, I was like, what? Uh, It's a four-game series that ends on Monday. Uh, I can't recall the last time that's happened. I That's very rare. Uh, You know, Luke said that it's like a rain out usually makes that happen or whatever. I'm like, yeah, that's the only explanation i generally see for them having that this is the first time i remember a planned friday to monday series but yeah yeah, weird (laughs) whatever uh but the cubs take the first two of three uh, a big seven to one victory on sunday the stroh show uh was indeed the show to see again uh we actually you know have a lot to talk about uh on this show i think just uh laying out your expectations. Uh, we do have a chat from Barbara on our YouTube chat. If you're watching live, welcome. If you're watching later, hello. If you're listening on your podcast app later, also hello. Uh, Barbara asking if Cody will be on to chug. He will not, but if you follow him on Twitter, uh, Cody Del Mendo on Twitter, he usually posts a video of his post-game uh, victory chugs over there. Uh, on this show, uh, we're going to talk about Marcus Stroman. Again, his league-leading 11th quality start on Sunday. Uh, We will talk about Miguel Amaya, who is back up. He hit his first big league home run on Sunday, had a huge day. Who you got? Huh, Ryan? On your boy, me, who you got? Big pick for me today. He needed me to pick him to have that kind of day. Uh, We will talk about Justin Steele uh, hitting the injured list. Hayden Wisniewski going to get that start. Uh, we'll talk about a little Ben Brown, who you, Ryan, were able to see on Friday in Iowa. Caleb Killian pitching well as well. We'll talk about Jamison Tyone, who finally the Cubs are in the victory column when he is on the mound. A much better start uh, to start this series in San Diego. Dansby Swanson having uh, a big year, continued that this weekend. Plenty to talk about. But, Ryan, just generally, uh, obviously, as someone who's in this clubhouse covering this team, that Red Series last weekend very disappointing, just, you know, kind of had everybody really, I think, uh, feeling pretty down and the Cubs really responded this week. And we know that, you know, the season we've seen them have good weeks followed by bad weeks, bad weeks followed by great weeks. We know, you know, things can turn on a dime, right. With this team. And, and I think just how this roster was constructed, but two or three from the best team in the league in the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, a disappointing Padres team so far, but still a very talented team that this yeah. Cubs has, has started by the Cubs team has started this series by taking two of three from this was a very good week of baseball for this Cubs team and hopefully a, a sign of things to come. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that, that red series was arguably the lowest point of the season for a team that had a really bad month of May, you know, just it, it needed some, some bounce back. And with the Rays coming in the town, you know, was it Monday or Tuesday was the first game of the series. And you're like, it's coming off that red series. You're not feeling great about it. And they take the first two and, you know, they lose the, everyone's still angry after the loss on uh, the last game of that series because of the way it went down, which is understandable, but they still took two of three from them. And now they're on this 10 game road trip on the West coast, which we know is never easy. And they take, they, they've so far taken two of three from the Padres. They at least 
have a series split. And yeah, just the, the, the way, you know, May went for this Cubs team. And, you know, I wrote about it the other day, uh, just kind of about how important June is. And actually we talked about it uh, Thursday, me and you uh, prior to the show that like this June is probably the biggest, the most important month for the Cubs since that June of 2021, right? Like it, that June of 2021 really decided that team's fate, especially the end of it, that losing streak that bled until the beginning of July. Like that was such an important month because it ultimately decided the fate of that core, that previous core is once June went down and they lost, I think it was six or seven to end June and then another four or five going into July, whatever that, however that balanced out like that ultimately decided the fate of the team and, and decided, you know, Jed decided to sell off the team there. It feels kind of unacceptable for them if they get to the trade deadline and are selling off their major trade pieces, considering the way they, you know, the team they put together, the way they talked about this roster, the, the whole competing aspect of it and, you know, last year when they said it, we didn't truly we didn't truly believe them because of the, the roster that they had. But this year, the the roster, the floor felt like a competitive ball club, like a, a club that would be playing meaningful games in September, which that wasn't the expectation last year, regardless of of what they said. Um, so it would have felt unacceptable for a trade deadline, uh, a third straight sell off at the trade deadline. So that's why I wrote and we've talked about just how important this month is going to be for them. Uh, so to come out. You know, on, you know, come out and, and, you know, they ended May with the two of three against the Rays, but now they've taken the two of the first three in San Diego, you know, a tough road trip again. Like that's that's important for what this team wants to do. And, they're you know, they're getting the good pitching performances. The bats have woken up, you know, the, the first game, obviously, and then today was was a good day for them. It's like they're going to need that this month because the schedule doesn't get any easier from what it was in May. And that if they're going into July and they're kind of, and they're they're in the same spot they are where or even worse than what they started June. Like that's not going to be a good position to, to trust that the front office isn't going to go into sell mode again. So yeah, overall great, important start to the month uh, by taking two or three from San Diego and, and they have to just kind of keep riding that. Yeah. And you know, of course it's, it's a very interesting place that this team is in because obviously I think if they were in a, certain other divisions in this league, this conversation is very different, right? The start that yeah. they got off to almost certainly buries them in the AL East, right? Uh, but in the NL Central, like as you and I are recording this right now, they're five games back, excuse me, five and a half of the Milwaukee Brewers who are just at 32 and 27, Pittsburgh ahead of them, 31 and 27. The Cubs face them a couple times this month. The first time they'll be seeing the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, later this month in June. So, you know, five and a half is, you know, a, a somewhat healthy lead for the Brewers over the Cubs, at least, but it's yeah. certainly not insurmountable. And when you look ahead in the first place team in your division, is it 32 and 27, right? You definitely, as we've heard from David Ross and Jed Hoyer and the players on this team, you obviously have the sense if you go on a little bit of a run, which the Cubs certainly need to do, as you were saying, this June is very important for them. You can get yourself in this mix and at least put yourself in a position where it is not an obvious decision for this front office, like it was in other years to start thinking about certain guys and, and what they can get for them. So hopefully they're, you know, still a long road trip here. Luckily we did see news. I think today from uh, the Los Angeles angels that they will miss Shohei Otani, at least yeah. pitching. Uh, you will still have to pitch to him, but you don't have to try to hit him. So yeah. that's nice. We, we did have, uh, you know, I think uh, one of our listeners, Gerard, is is going in Anaheim, was hoping to see him. Uh, so if you were hoping to watch Shohei Otani pitch just for the spectacle of it all, you'll be disappointed. But hopefully the Cubs offense fares a little bit better. So yeah. uh, you kind of have to pick and choose there. But I, yeah, hopefully they can survive this road trip. I don't want to say that the rest of this month is easy because that's sort of a subjective term when you're looking at the schedule, but you will get the opportunity to at least control your destiny, if you will, with the Pittsburgh Pirates who are currently ahead of you. They play them six times uh, home and home later this month. Uh, you've got the Orioles who have been playing you know, good baseball. You've got the Cardinals who uh, I think after a loss on Sunday are back to being uh, record-wise the worst team in the National League. Uh, and then you know the Phillies who have also you know sort of been in that weird hovering around 500 or a little bit below. So again, I, I don't want to call it an easy schedule, but 
you know, an opportunity if you can get through the the rest of this 10 game road trip here on the West coast to not necessarily play one of the most difficult stretches on your schedule. So hopefully the Cubs are able to do that, but jumping into like some of the specific players, I, I wanted to start with Marcus Stroman, a guy that we talked about earlier this week, you know, uh, th- there is going to be a lot of conversation about him just because of the nature of his contract, whether he wants to opt out at the end of this season, whether the Cubs are in a position to talk about him at the trade deadline, or as we've heard from Marcus Stroman himself, if the Cubs are able to go on a little bit of a run here, Marcus has been pretty clear that he would like to stay here and would really like to sign an extension here and be a part of whatever the the, the Cubs are building here. But his league-leading 11th quality start on Sunday, he didn't have his best stuff. It certainly wasn't as, as sparkling an outing as we saw against the Tampa Bay Rays. But even with three walks and four scattered hits, he only allows an unearned run. He strikes out six. He goes six innings. Uh, And I think with the volume of pitches that he threw in that Tampa game and also the Cubs being up by several runs here, David Ross seemingly not wanting to stretch him further than the sixth inning. But man, uh, just a a remarkable season that Marcus Stroman is putting together so far. He's lowered his ERA to 2.39. We talked about this when I was in the studio earlier this week. regardless of where this season goes, I I really hope the Cubs and the front office are going to consider extending Marcus Stroman. Yeah, I think he's been, I know we talked about when, when the whole steal, we didn't know the nature of his injury yet. And I think I had mentioned that on Thursday that Justin Steele's season is the most important sort of aspect of, of any individual season, like Justin Steele showing that he's a big time, big game pitcher or like having the kind of success he had was the most important thing for the Cubs as far as individual player, you know, the uh, player development, I guess, in the first two months. But Marcus Stroman is is their ace, so to speak, right? He's their number one. He's the guy they gave the ball on opening day. Uh, he's the guy that's making the most money. He needed to have, especially like, you know, this, we saw the way the first half of, of his season went last year. Um, you needed the Cubs to be successful, need a full, a full good Marcus Stroman season. And that's another thing that I wrote. Uh, before the season like as soon as they announced him as opening day great but like he needs to have that full season and he's had it. he has the second lowest uh era in the national league among qualified starters like he is going out there and it feels like you can it feels like at this point you can count on him to go out there and give you six solid innings and you know see what the see if the bullpen can hold a lead or if the run the, the bats can give him a, a, some run support as they did today um but yeah he, he's been everything they could have asked for him to be for them this season. Like he has been that ace like guy. He's getting ground balls at like a 59% rate, something like that, um, which is his game, right? He is the, the ground ball pitcher and that's what they had. Yeah, 59.9% ground ball rate. Uh, that's, that's the kind of game he has. That sinker is just a sinker sinking, right? <laughs> he's yeah. he, everything is going well as it should for him. And like, it's not something that you're at this point waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right? Like we know, Marcus Stroman's a good pitcher. He got paid to be a really good pitcher for a reason. Um, so this is like a level of he's not pitching out of his mind right now. He's pitching great, but that's because Marcus Stroman can be a great pitcher. And I think that's when the Cubs signed him last year, that's what they were envisioning. And yeah, the first couple months of his Cubs tenure did not go very well. He turned it on that second half of last season, and now that's continued into this season. So um, he's just been everything for this rotation and, and the leader of the rotation when they've needed it. And as you said, the the nature of his contract makes his future kind of murky beyond this year, even. Um, but you know, he's what thirty one, going on thirty two, something like that. He's not young, but he's also not old. Like, and the right. way he the way he pitches, he, it's it's not he's not he's not beating anyone with velocity. So the way he pitches can, can actually age well versus a guy that throws triple digits may not age as well, right? So the way right. Marcus Stroman's game is could age pretty well into his thirties. The Cubs, yeah, I agree. The Cubs should strongly consider trying to extend him. He wants, he, he's publicly said he wants to be here. Um, and as far as what they want in that rotation, like a few of those guys that they have coming up through the system, still a couple years away, like having Marcus Stroman around for this, like if this is the start of your competitive window, having Marcus Stroman around for the first few years of that is having a guy like him around is, is very important to kind of get that competitiveness, that competitive culture 
going because he's such Definitely. he's been such a good pitcher. And so yeah, I agree. Like I think the Cubs and Jed and uh, you know Carter Hawkins should strongly consider extending him beyond this year when he's you know he's also such a good athlete when you talk about you know he i think he's barely 32 right like i don't think he's you know i don't think he's going to be looking for a seven-year deal right like uh but you just look at he he's such a good athlete he's in excellent shape you you watch him uh, i think he answered your question on marquee that one time about you know a shortstop by nature right like yeah. and you see that like he's not like some older pitchers where you kind of worry about you know their body breaking down and and things like that like he'll age eventually but for a guy that's 32 he's in incredible shape uh and you mentioned the ground ball rate and he did say right like he talked about Dansby Nico up the middle and he was going to be throwing that sinker and this is you know I think you said his ground ball rate was around 59 percent highest since it was in 2018 back when he was with Toronto so uh, you know, obviously not something you completely control as a pitcher, but he said, I'm going to let them do the work behind me. I'm going to throw a bunch of sinkers and let hitters put the ball on the ground. And that is indeed exactly what he is doing. And the defense, uh, up the middle for the Cubs at least is definitely, uh, backing him up on that. So it's going to be an interesting thing to follow. Uh, but I, I think also, the contract situation, the Cubs situation at the trade deadline, make it a sort of necessary topic. Of course, Marcus being quite vocal about wanting the extension, also going to bring up that topic. Uh, but also he, he's just, I mean, he's been one of the best pitchers in the national league for you, you know, outside of the beginning of his Cubs career, he's been one of the best pitchers in the national league for you. And that should be something that would interest this team. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, also, you know, we saw it in that game against Tampa, but even just from a, a fan, like personal perspective, right? I I want to see that energy from him. Like when he left the mound in that Tampa game, right? And he's coming off the mound and he got that big double play, I think in the seventh or eighth inning and he's pumped and he's pumping up the crowd. He does that every time he leaves, right? Yeah. Like I need that in <laughs> September, October, yeah. a chilly night at Wrigley Field in the playoffs. Like I need that. Uh, and I think this team needs that. So something to follow, something interesting uh, as we go along in the season here. Uh, I do, before we get to our first ad break, I do want to make sure we talk about Justin Steele. So Justin Steele is going to go on the injured list, uh, but the MRI and all of the imaging, uh, I, I think we can for now breathe a sigh of relief, right? It's definitely something he's going to have to work his way back. We're going to have to make sure that this isn't something that lingers because anytime you hear forearm stuff, it's dicey, right? It's, it's not the part of the body that you particularly want to hear with pitchers. Uh, but it appears that the Cubs and Justin Steele have avoided something major here. So he'll hit the 15 day, uh, IL, I think. Right. Uh, and then Hayden Wisniewski is going to take his spot for now. Again, we'll see what happens, but this not being some major thing is a huge sigh of relief, not just to the 2023 season, but obviously Justin's future, the Cubs future, um, and, and hopefully this is just indeed that he misses, you know, maybe one turn in the rotation and he can get back to, uh, like Stroman being one of the best pitchers in the national league, like he has been for the last calendar year or so. Yeah, no, again, yeah, he's again, his, or his development has been the most important of any individual player on the Cubs this season, because now you have, you know, again, uh, under the assumption, right? Like just saying that Marcus Stroman gets extended, right? you also have Justin Steele starting to pitch like one of the better pitchers in the national league. Now you have two very dependable starting pitchers at the top of your rotation where, you know, if Hayden was starts to figure his stuff out, if Kyle Hendricks becomes, you know, this solid back end of the rotation type guy, if Jameson Tyone starts to live up to that contract, if, you know, any of these pitchers coming up, the starting pitching prospects, you know, actually fit the bill and, and come up and have success. Like you have so many options for what your three, four, and five can be because you have two guys who are pitching like all-stars. So Justin Steele, yeah, 15-day IL, retro to June 1st. So it's like the 16th, I guess, is when um, he could come back. I, I'm not 100% sure where that falls on the rotation, but um, I think the hope right now is two starts at that point. Um, yeah, having having it not be uh, – seemingly not be a, ma a major injury for him, uh, left forearm strain, I want to say is what it was called. Um yeah, left forearm strain, but it apparently mild. Um, yeah, just having not having it be a long term thing, being able to get him back in a couple weeks, like 
that's huge. That's huge for him. It's huge for the Cubs because, yeah, he's he's been such a good pitcher for them. He goes out there, bulldog mentality. You know, the the lefty, the stuff plays like no one barrels him right. Like his pitching, same with Stroman. Like the way they, the style they pitch, the the ground balls, the the weak contact with the defense behind them, that all plays. If they didn't have yeah. the defense, if they were, you know rolling out Jonathan VR again at second base this year, right? Like that, that would be a tougher thing to do, but they have the defense behind them to be the pitchers they are. And I think that's why you're seeing so much success from someone like Justin Steele this year, because he does have that trust in the defense and he can just go out there, pitch the way he wants to pitch, knowing that Dansby and Nico are right there behind him. Patrick Wisdom's played better at third base this year. Like those guys are behind him to, to, you know, cover up any mistakes he makes uh, 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 when he, when he pitches the ball, obviously. Um, so yeah, having him around, uh, in a couple weeks, getting him back, that's going to be big for them because again, this is a, a huge month and to have one of your, one of your best pitchers missing half of it already kind of stinks. Um, it would stink if, if it was an even longer portion where you don't have Justin Steele's dependability in that rotation. So getting him back June 16th, whenever he does pitch again, like that is the hope for them right now, I don't, I don't know if I would say it's the expectation that he comes back to minimum stay, but I'm, I, I'm sure they strongly hope so. Um, but it's, again, important for keeping this team on track towards not being not being sellers in two months, right? Like yeah. They don't want to be that. Justin Steele is important in, in making sure they avoid that. No doubt. And, it, it, I mean, you know me, right? Like, it, it, take your time. Like, obviously, the team needs him back, right? But – the forearms are tricky and his long-term career and, you know, health and ability to get back to where he was is the most important thing. So if it's two starts, three starts, whatever it is, like take your time. I don't want any, I don't want to hear about any like lingering, you know, tingling in there or anything like no throbbing, Ryan. I don't want any more throbbing. Okay. I haven't heard anything about throbbing in the last few days. So maybe. <laughs> no more throbbing. Um, but it will also be, you know, interesting to see Hayden Wisniewski get another opportunity uh, in the rotation. Obviously he was really, really good in relief in that game against the Tampa Bay Rays uh, when Steele did leave the game three and two thirds, just one hit, one earned run, two walks and four strikeouts and some really nasty uh, breaking balls and some ugly swings from a very, very good Tampa Bay Rays offense. So obviously interesting to see Hayden get another shot. Hopefully he can settle in, look a little better there. Uh, and, you know, I did want to ask you too, again, before we hit our first ad break in a second here, uh, you saw Ben Brown on Friday. I am going to assume, right? Ben Brown has been really good. Of course, the Cubs got him in the David Robertson trade with the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, I am going to assume that Friday was not his best outing. No offense to our good friend, Cody Del Mendo, but you guys follow him on Twitter. You see the record, right? Yeah. So I'm... I, I would rather chalk it up to Cody being there than anything to do mm -hmm. with Ben Brown. That's the main point, right? But what yeah, did you yeah. see, uh, you know, from your experience in Iowa? Um, yeah, it, as you said, not his best start. You know, gave up a couple home runs, and they were like deep to center field. Which talking to people up in the press box, it's like to get to get those the balls out to where those two home runs were off Ben Brown. Like they they weren't they weren't gimmies. Like that those were pretty hard hit, well hit balls like to get out of there. So. Um, yeah, a couple of home runs. I think the the one the concerning part of it was the five walks, because um, most of those runs came early on in the game, and he kind of recovered a little bit to to make it through four. Uh, but the, yeah, the five walks is I believe still right now that's the most he has, uh, most walks he's had in a game and a start at all this season. Um, so maybe maybe it, it's it felt like a little bit of a oh pump the brakes on the Ben Brown hype. Like guy's still a prospect. He's gonna have his 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 ups and downs as well. Um, yeah, he's, uh, it was not his best start and the control wasn't obviously there during that game. Um, but you've seen him the rest of this year, right? There's a reason why he's in triple a, why there's so much hype around him because he's another guy that we talk about the starting pitching depth. Like he's involved in that. He's on the 40 man. Um, he's one step away from the big leagues. If there's a need, like they could go down and get him and, that would be very interesting to see because he's pitched so well, you know, outside of this start and there's one other bad start this season. Like he's pitched so well in the for the Cubs this season that that trade looks like an absolute steal <laughs> uh, for the for yeah. David Robertson at, at the at the deadline. And you know the Phillies probably do it over again because they got all the way to the World Series. Whatever, like that, it's starting to look like a steal on the part of the Cubs if uh, he continues on this path of development. And you know, 
I, I don't see him not being in the big leagues for much longer. Right. If he continues to do this, he's already in triple a he's a little, he's not, he's not old by any means, but he's not like a 19 year old kid, right? He's, it seems like he's pretty much ready for that moment. As soon as that, the, the opening are, is here for him. So yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by Ben Brown. Of course, again, it wasn't his best outing. We're just going to say it was Cody's fault and he'll be back and give you, give them six shutout innings next game. Next time he starts. Um, but yeah, I'm, Seeing it up close, like even in a an overall res, bad results portion, like the the stuff is so good. <laughs> the stuff is good. Like yeah. he has, even if he doesn't have the best day with the results, like you can see why he's such a big a big time prospect for him right now. I think he just entered the top 100 on a couple different lists now. So um, clearly he's clearly the national like prospect pundits are uh, hyped by him too. So. I'm excited to see when Ben Brown comes. I don't obviously want the Cubs to rush that um, because they have other fill-ins if they need the depth. But um, just seeing what I've seen over the year, like Ben Brown probably, uh, he's coming. <laughs> he, yeah. he, and, he's coming to Chicago at some point this year, in my opinion. And I, I think, you know, worth noting too, you know, you mentioned like he's going to, you know, take his lumps. He's just up in Iowa, uh, you know, for several starts here over the last few weeks and he's 23, right? So I think a lot of times, you know, especially with steel going down and Hayden struggled earlier in the year, Caleb Killian has struggled when he's come up. Caleb Killian has been on a very nice run, a uh, friend of the podcast, Alex Cohen, uh, who you were with on Friday broadcaster for the Iowa Cubs, uh, you know, noted that, uh, the other day, I think Saturday was Caleb's first quality start of the year for the Iowa Cubs, six innings, four hits, three runs, three strikeouts, and just one walk. He's been trending in the right direction, but has struggled obviously in the, you know, several starts he's gotten in the major leagues. I think these guys, guys like Ben Brown come into the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Because people want to see him and they, they want that kind of instant, gratification on, on some of these hot prospects, but Ben Brown is just 23 years old. So yes. he's got some time, he's got some seasoning that he still needs. Uh, but yes, worth obviously being excited about. Uh, but Ryan, we will get back to the Chicago Cubs in a moment here. First want to talk about our wonderful friends at ComEd. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve, helping manage energy usage and lower energy bills now and into the future. Yeah, ComEd offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across the territory. ComEd also offers free facility assessments that, that can help find energy saving opportunities like for HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. And how does it work, Ryan? So an authorized engineer will work with you to, to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. Uh, within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. If you own a business, don't wait. Get started saving money and energy today. For energy saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash poweringbiz. Did you say comed.com slash poweringbiz? You got it right, Corey. Comed.com slash poweringbiz. Schedule it today. Nailed it. We, have, we nailed it. Uh, we also got, uh, you know, from our, our good friends at Game Time. Uh, we've been working with them for a while. Love Game Time. Uh, I actually was going to, uh, you know, over the weekend, but me and, Co me and Cody obviously ended up going to Iowa, but there was a band or uh, an artist, an EDM artist playing in town uh, on Friday. And I, all day Thursday, I'm like checking the prices, checking the prices, go on game time, cheapest tickets you could find, right? Like I, I was I was very close to buying my tickets. Uh, ended up going to Iowa, so didn't do it. But if I were to have bought those tickets, I would have bought them with game time. Um, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater shows near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have game time is the place for last minute ticket deals forget planning months in advance game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less 
Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Uh, snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Brendan, uh, I think thinking if he can swing it going to that game tomorrow night, uh, the fourth game in the San Diego series, obviously he's uh, going to look at game time there. And I'm going to be out uh, closer to Anaheim uh, at my parents' place this week thinking about, you know, depending on when my flights get, flight gets in and stuff, oh. uh, heading out and seeing the Cubs face the Angels. Uh, Ryan, you know, the last time I saw the Cubs uh, play the Angels in Anaheim was in uh, to start the season in 2016, and the Cubs went on to win the World Series oh, yeah, that year. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's correct. Um, but benefit of game time, I don't know when my flight's going to get in, so I can check and last-minute deals are right there. So easy oh, yeah. peasy. Uh, I do want to talk about uh, my Who You Got champion today. Uh, and that is Miguel Amaya, who had a big day on Sunday against the San Diego Padres. Uh, hits his first big league home run uh, that was a really beautiful blast. He went three for three in this game. He scored two runs. He drove in two runs. Uh, just a, a wonderful game. He was DHing uh, for the Cubs in this game. He came up uh, as the corresponding move for Justin Steele. Uh, and... You know, we've obviously seen Amaya so far this year before this uh, in a, you know, a handful of games. I, I, I think it was a friend of the podcast, Jordan Bastion, who was tweeting uh, today that, you know, finally he kind of got rewarded for some of his hard exit velocity. His first hit was obviously that dribbler up the middle uh, after hitting some hundred plus mile an hour balls that were finding gloves. So nice to see him today continue ripping the ball and get rewarded for it. Um an interesting situation that the Cubs have here. And, you know, I think primarily, you know, we were just talking to Greg Huss from Northside Bound earlier this week when I was in the studio about, you know, kind of what they would do with Amaya because he had been hitting really well in the minors when he went back down. And obviously before he got uh, called up again, the Cubs pitchers at the major league level raved about him behind the plate. I mean, similar to some of the stuff we had heard from them last year about Jan Gomes, right? Um, right. raved about Amaya. He was in the DH spot today. And I, I'm curious your sense of exactly what you think the Cubs might be thinking here. Do you think he's just up because they had the roster spot and, you know, give him an opportunity to get back in there? Or do you see them carrying three catchers? Because when we talk to Greg, and I think one of the things you see from uh, a lot of folks, and, and I would certainly probably count myself amongst this, is Amaya was a former top prospect. And if you look at him now, the body of work that he has put together this year, he looks like that person. Uh, he, he looks like the top prospect again, which is a, a huge thing for the organization. Mm -hmm. But he's obviously got to stay healthy. And given the amount of injuries he's had and what he, you know, the time off and stuff like that, you'd have to imagine that the Cubs want him catching a lot. And with Jan Gomes and how good Jan Gomes is today, we got another Gomer this afternoon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and Tucker Barnhart still on this roster, signed for two years. Uh, my feelings on that aside, right? Uh, it, it is an interesting spot. Like he DHs today, but at some point, you know, you're, I think organizationally, you're going to want him catching every day because as we go forward here, at some point, you're going to envision him in your plans as part of, as either the starting catcher or part of mm -hmm. a catching tandem. And in this current situation, I'm not quite sure I see the, the, the roadmap to that if they're carrying three catchers. So what's your kind of initial thought on their plan for Miguel Amaya here? Yes. Well, so I, Right now, while he's up, I don't know how much how long that lasts. I know, like, um, switching steel with a position player obviously has to do with like they don't need it, it's Justin Steele's spot in the rotation yet. Like, they can afford to have that extra bat up there because you know, Wisniewski's just gonna fill in anyway. Um, but with Amaya, for as long as he's up, I would, yeah, I'm with you. I would like to see him catching if he's back to being this like 
top catching prospect status, right? Like he, if he's the answer to to catcher for him, the long-term answer, then I would like to see him catching while he's up, obviously. Um, and we got actually got to see him on Friday when Cody and I were out there. Um, had, you know, was, was hitting pretty well down there. Yeah, he's been hitting pretty well for Iowa since he got optioned back down. I uh, was that last month. Um, so the, 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 it feels like the bat is back, right? It feels like the bat is there. And, um, you mentioned the, um, the, the balls in play luck, right? The, the Babbitt luck, um, his three hits the first time, you know, his first stint in the big leagues is, is only three hits during that time. We're on three of the four, um, slowest exit velocity balls he put in play. Uh, and that fourth one was a bunt. <laughs> so, um, that's just kind of base weird baseball for you. Like he wasn't getting rewarded for the high exit velocities, but he did it for the low ones. So you said it today. Um, he got the, he, he got all three hits. Two of them were, uh, a hundred and what his home run was 104.6 exit velo. Uh, and he had that single at 103.7 miles per hour. So yeah, got rewarded on the hard contact. Um, so, I'm kind of like moving around the cut. The question, I guess, is um, the whole Tucker Barnhart situation. And we talked about it on Thursday with Greg. Um, I think part of that is like Tucker Barnhart works really well um, with some of these pitchers. Like Marcus Stroman talks about Tucker all the time. And I know he didn't uh, start with him today, but uh, he Marcus Stroman r- raves about Tucker Barnhart every time they catch him. And he's like, I'm never waving him off, right? Like, that's the big thing. Um, I think they appreciate the what Tucker Barnhart does, like soft factors wise. Um, I know he's not hitting the ball. I, I know the offensive side of his game has just not been there. Um, but I do think when you take into account Miguel Amaya's injury history, the fact that he's only, like, he's really only catching again for the first time in like a couple years, um, like there's, there's some risk involved with, if you DFA Barnhart and, and give away any of that catching depth, right? Cause they only have three other catchers or so I, I believe in, in at the AAA level one's Dom Nunez who's hurt. Um, you know, Jake washer's there and uh, Bryce Windham just came back a couple weeks ago from the IL. Uh, so you don't have a lot of catching depth and we've seen in recent years, what happens when you don't have a lot of catching depth and a rash of injuries also hit, right? Like that 2021 season, they used so many catchers. I lost count. Um, but yeah, so with Tucker Barnhart, like I, I understand when people, the, the calling for him being DFA'd, but he provides depth at a position where things can get out of hand pretty quickly. And it's not like he's a, you know, a, a left fielder that you, you can potentially replace pretty easily, especially with the outfield prospects they have, like catching is a really, really important position as far as game planning, uh, strategy, all that type of stuff. Like it's not just throwing anyone back They're like what the Cubs are doing now is they want those catchers who excel at those soft factors, those factors that you can't go on fan graphs and read about like all like the, the little day to day, the preparation, like that's, they, they like what Tucker Barnhart does. And that same with Ian Gomes and, you know, Miguel Amaya, I think opened some eyes that first time he came up about how well he does with that. So they have three catchers right now on the roster who are really good at doing that stuff. Um, and, I think in a perfect world, you wouldn't have to worry about injury history and Miguel Amaya could just stay up and, and that would be the end of it. Um, but that is a factor. And if if they were to DFA Tucker Barnhart and then Jan or, or Amaya go down or both, like, you know, obviously knock on wood, don't want that to happen. But um, if that is the scenario that plays out, well, then now you're down. You're, you're already down to like triple A Iowa catchers coming up to the big leagues and, and, and taking over those roles. So. Um, I think they want to give it a little bit more time for Amaya as far as like when that Tucker Barnhart situation plays out. Um, I don't know that I see him like being DFA'd anytime soon. Uh, just, you know, again, the conversations, the way David Ross talks about him, the way um, the pitching coaches, the pitchers themselves talk about him. I don't see him going away anytime soon. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I think part of that too is again, that depth that, just having that extra veteran major league caliber catcher that yeah. they, they like what it provides and people don't want to hear that, but it, it's just kind of the truth. Yeah. I, well, and I think uh, especially when you're, 
manager is a former, you know, glove first catcher, right? You're going to have to deal with that. But I think, yeah, if, if Amaya had not had the, the trajectory with the injury, right. And he had just sort of continued on that path. I think this is a different conversation, right? Like you're saying, I think if you really knew, like, we can just trust him, he's ready. Like we'll work him in with Jan Gomes and work toward Amaya being your starting catcher. I think it's a different conversation for me. I, I get all that, right? Like I know that there's, you know, more to this decision. I, I think I I would be curious if they do decide to carry the three of them uh for longer, you know, even once they have to make a decision about Steele coming back or something like that. Uh, because for me, totally understand all that, right? I can appreciate the game planning and the importance of the catcher position, especially with the way this team was constructed, mm-hmm. right? If you want to build a team on, on pitching without, you know, a bunch of guys that are just blowing you away with velo, right. And you spend all that money on your middle infield defense. The, the catcher is an important part of that. I, I would like to at least see, and maybe this is where Miguel Amaya factors in. If you're able to get him consistent at bats, work him in behind the plate with Jan Gomes. We at the, at the minimum though, right? Like at least for where we are right now, I, I would prefer to see Barnhart less, right? Mm-hmm. That, that maybe how about, a, how about a, a middle ground, right? Because looking back at this week, he started three games, right? And I appreciate all the stuff behind the plate, but when you've got a, a guy with a 156, 257, 172 slash line, good for a 27 WRC plus. I I can't have him starting three games out of a, a six game week. That that's that's too much. And I know Jan Gomes is on the older side, right? So again, maybe that's where Miguel Amaya factors yeah. in. But there there you do reach a point, right, where all of those factors you then have to consider like a you know, literal black hole in your lineup. And for an offense that has at times struggled to score runs, I I think a better balance, at least of that, right? Like I will step down from my DFA soapbox, right? Uh, And, and let's try to find a middle ground there, right? Like you, you just can't have that bad in there three times a week at this Mm -hmm. point. It, it just is not something that this offense I think can overcome, uh, and I don't know, we, we have more, I want to talk about Tyone and, and some of the bullpen guys. So I don't know if we're going to get into it, but Ross also has this penchant for these left-hand heavy lineups that feature several guys that aren't hitting. And when that's Barnhart three times, right. It just, yeah. it, it it's taking a toll on the offense. Right. So yeah. I think at, at, at least a better balance, if we can strike it is where I would prefer to be. Uh, but I do understand, right? Like, and again, I, I see it in the chat. Like I, I get it, right? Like I watched, I've watched Miguel Amaya for years. I watched him play at Wrigley field. I watched him sing go Cubs go on the field. I watched his parents in the crowd, his first home run today. I love the guy and I can't stress enough how him sort of returning to this status as a, a prospect, if you will, that is so important for this organization because th- with the rash of injuries he had, it seemed like that was just done, like gone. Right. But he has had those injuries and the organization does view this as something that he still needs more time and seasoning as a catcher getting back from these injuries and just, you know, getting back physically and making sure that he is set up for a long career of success, not just, you know, saying, Hey, he's back. Let's rush him back in there. He's our starting catcher. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I get it. I'm as excited as any of you in the chat. Uh, but this is one of those times where you kind of have to, I think as Ryan is laying out, look at things from just the perspective that the team is going to operate under, right? Yeah. We can all clamor and yell for whatever we want, but this, I think caring about his development and how he gets worked in here is important. And that is how the, the organization is going to look at it. So I think for me, just let's, let's do a little less Barnhart, right? I, I, half the week of him starting and trying to hit it, it just isn't happening, right? Like it's, it's just tough on the offense. So if we can kind of figure out a blend here to make this work, I, yeah. I think that that's, that's the best path forward. Uh, I think when you figure that, I mean, you know, again, like, as, as I said, like Stroman raves about Tucker and, and 
Stroman's done really well in games that Tucker's been behind the plate. You know, like you mentioned the the lefty, you know, the the lefty righty stuff, right? Like you may have to just throw Barnhart in the order against a lefty um, if he's like catching a game for Stroman. Like maybe that's the balance, right? Like he's Stroman's personal catcher, right? He's what David Ross was to John Lester. That's what Barnhart is for Stroman for this year, and catches once, you know, every five days for Stroman. You live with even if it's a lefty on the mound, you you live with that. Barnhart's bad in the order because he's so good at catching Stroman. You're getting him to play, but you're not playing him so much. Um, and then you can kind of shuffle Gomes and Amaya behind the plate. The DH obviously helps with making sure Amaya's bad is in the lineup, even if he's not behind the plate. I think there's ways they can make three catchers work without, as, as you said, playing Barnhart half the games because that's obviously just not been working out. As as good as he does game planning, soft factors, catching-wise, especially with Stroman, the bat is just like is not good, and at, there's going to be times where you just need the bat to play, and if it never does, you you don't want that in your lineup half the games. It's it if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, and just, then you have to like make the decision that we are going to take some of that playing time, give it to Amaya because he hits, and, and yeah. Barnhart isn't. I, th- I think well, that's just like one of those it's, things. It's oddly it it does somewhat remind me of how David Ross's career started here in Chicago. He put up a 33 WRC plus in 2015, mm-hmm. and even as John Lester's uh, number one supporter, right? Like I remember people being like not so keen on David Ross, right? And it took a while for the, you know, this stuff with Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant and and their relationship with him and his development into Grandpa Rossi. And then, of course, in 2016, he had a, a, an above average offensive season. He was great for the Cubs on, on every level. But I do remember, like, people kind of started to sour on that because they were like, look, I you can tell me all you want about how great he is as a catcher and he's John Lester's personal catcher, but this dude cannot hit. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of a similar thing. Like, I don't know what the acceptable threshold is for a defense first backup catcher in terms of offense where you can tolerate it, but a 27 WRC plus is much below that. So, uh, however they can make this work. I do want to see more Miguel Amaya and whatever the organization decides is the best path for him to ultimately be the starting catcher on this team down the road. I I think that's what they're going to do. And and I am, uh, certainly more than okay with that. Um, But I do want to uh, get to our second ad break here and talk to you about our good friends at the Goose Island Beer Company. Got my sticker here. Uh, Goose Island, CHGO, is supported by the Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. They have an incredible beer roster. Of course, the Goose IPA, a six-time medal winner at the Great American Beer Festival. My personal favorite, uh, of course, is the Classic 312, which of course you can get at beautiful, historic Wrigley Field, and I do. Uh, The Full Pocket Pilsner, an everyday beer, what the brewers are drinking. Uh, You can, of course, check out the wonderful tap rooms, the original Goose Island Brew House on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park, or their taproom on Fulton Street in Westtown. Uh, I have been to both. They have uh, great smash burgers and food over at the one in Lincoln Park. Uh, I'm a big pickle guy. They've got uh, fried pickles there. Delicious. Uh, Pair it with the beer. And uh, Ryan, you know, the the beer stand behind my seats in section 216, they have one of those, you know, you just grab and go. You scan it under the thing. They've got the 312 there. It's like two rows behind my seats. Beautiful setup for your boy over at Wrigley Field. Uh, but we love Goose Island. Of course, you can check out our friend Cody Del Mendo doing his beer bat chug uh, after every victory uh, with uh, a delicious Goose Island beer. Uh, and of course, CHGO is supported by the Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. And you know what would make you look even cooler when you're drinking that Goose Island beverage? I got him right here, is. Ryan. Oh. You got to throw your shady rays on. You're like, you're like a million times cooler <laughs> when you got them on and you're drinking a three, one, two, like that's Cody likes to call it vibes like that. That is peak vibes right there. In my opinion. Uh, so take on the sun with gear built to last our friends at shady race. Have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product. That's just as good as any expensive pair that we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's what you get with your Shady Rays. 
Uh, and that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. Together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact. From building play sets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, which I can't imagine you wouldn't, uh, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. Uh, and exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code CHGO for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Not I, I I took them off and the lights are just blinding. You know <laughs> the world without my shady rays is too much. Um, but uh, before we wrap up here, uh, I do want to talk uh, and just note. Obviously, Jamison Tyone picks up his first win as a Chicago Cub, uh, and just the first win when he was on the mound uh, for the 2023 season. Five and two thirds, three hits, one earned run, zero walks, and three strikeouts. Uh, not not perfect, uh, but but getting there. And I do uh, have uh, a little bit of commentary here from uh, one Doctor Brendan Miller. Uh, that I, that I do want to read and make sure that I, I get in here. Uh, he he sent this quote uh, from Tommy Hadovy that said, "What we talked about the last couple starts was just getting back to what we feel like his strengths are. That's the good four seam fastball and the curveball off of that for Tyone. Uh, and if you have listened to Brendan speak, uh, I think he kind of talked about that uh, when we talked last week about what they you know would look to do with Tyone. Uh, so better." Right, not perfect, but better. Uh, I I sent this in the, the the Cubs Slack, but a very like funny quote from one Fernando Tatis uh, from the, the the Padres beat after that game. He said, "I'm not sure how that guy got into the sixth inning," uh, and I I found that to be just a a fascinating quote from someone on an offense who had gotten uh, basically completely shut and da- shut down by Jamison Tyone. So I I, I never understand when players. I get that it's kind of a, like, we should have hit that guy. We feel like we need to do a better job, but like just a weird thing to say when you yeah, didn't weird. do anything off of a guy, like maybe yeah. just keep that one, you know, <laughs> keep that one on the books, but keep that to uh, yourself. <laughs> yeah, a much better outing for Jamison Tyone and just nice to see the Cubs get a win with him on the mound. As we talked about a lot, the Cubs have in recent history had several guys, Marcus Stroman included, who did not start out multi-year contracts as they would have liked. Tyone, you know, maybe in the mix for one of the least good starts, right? Like of that group, yeah. uh, but a four-year deal. He has a, a, a really solid, you know, track record of, of being a solid contributor in a rotation. He was very good for the New York Yankees last year uh, in a high pressure, high leverage situation there in New York. Uh, so to see him, at least hopefully this is the start of a turnaround for Jamison Tyone. That would obviously be very important for the Chicago Cubs team, even more so, I think, seeing him be better and get his first win immediately as Justin Steele hits the injured list, uh, a, a big deal for this Cubs team. Yeah, if he went out and struggled again and, and threw another clunker, um, you would you would not feel as like okay with what's going on in the rotation right now. Because, again, like Strowman's great. Drew, Drew Smiley's been maybe the steal of the offseason or like the big the, the smartest move the Cubs made in the offseason was bringing him back because he's pitching. You know, you take out the two starts against Cincinnati, he's pitching out of his own mind, right? Like he's been great. Um, you know, Kyle Hendricks, you still don't know exactly what's going to happen with Hendricks. Uh, he's only a few, a couple starts back, you know, and f- back to pitching for the first time in like almost a year. Uh, Wasneski struggled. So got to see what happens with him. So really without steel, like it, it feels like you only have like two dependable starters, right? Like the other guys are, are kind of ha- can be up or down. Like they could go either way. Like with Stroman and Smiley, you feel good about those two, but that leaves three rotation spots where you don't know what you're going to get. So Jamison Tyone having the kind of game he did, which, as you said, not perfect by any means, but like nearly, you know, almost completed six innings, pretty much shut down the Padres for most of the night. Like that 
makes you feel a little bit better about where the rotation is at without steel for however long that is. If it's two weeks, that's obviously a more ideal scenario. Um, but if it's longer, like you're going to need Jamison Tyone to pitch like Jamison Tyone. And he did that, um, you know, talking to David Ross and even Tommy Hadovy, Daniel Moskos, like all these guys just kind of about Tyone and, and kind of what's been going on. Like they all talk about, you know, he is a guy who has that track record, right? Like he has, he pitched for the Yankees. He pitched, he pitched in the biggest market in baseball for the biggest team in baseball, you know, under the bright lights in the best division in baseball and had success. So what we saw for the first two months, basically from Tyone, um, you know, injury, groin injury aside, what we saw from him is just not what Jamison Tyone's been the last few years. Like Jamison Tyone has been a pretty good pitcher for, you know, for the New York Yankees, right? A team that's consistently competing for the playoffs or for division titles, whatever it is. Um, and he was a solid pitcher for him. So Cubs brought him in. He struggled, but there was this firm belief that like he's just not pitching. He, he's not pitching like we know he's capable of, right? Like that was a firm belief from the Cubs coaching staff. And we saw that on, on Friday from Tyone and you need to keep seeing it as he continues to, you know, move past that groin injury and, and get deeper into his Cubs tenure. He's getting a lot of money for the next four years. So they need him to, to be a better, yeah. a better pitcher, of course. But yeah, it, it's, it was nice to see him have the success against a underachieving, but still talented Padres lineup, um, have that kind of success, get into the sixth inning, get, you know, get it to the bullpen, a, bullpen that you know had a great day themselves that uh, on Friday uh, but get it to the bullpen with a lead and, and that's what you want from Tyone is like you may not he's not going to go out and be perfect every single time but if he can give you those quality start-esque outings every time he goes out there you know keep the the runs to a minimum not walk anyone like that's the, that's the Tyone you're paying for and that you hope that Friday was like the first step into being that kind of guy that we kind of felt like he should he, honestly that we feel like he should be. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, to, to finish up our, our conversation here on this Sunday edition of the CHGO Cubs podcast, I do want to talk about that bullpen that you mentioned. And I think Friday, uh, we obviously have seen this bullpen. It's, it's been a roller coaster ride. Roles have changed. Uh, p- positions have shifted, right? But some guys are in Iowa that we thought were probably going to be leading this bullpen. Uh, but Friday, I think for now, may have been a, a bit of the recipe of what this current iteration that David Ross and Tommy Hadovy are going to try uh, might look like. So Tyone only goes five and two thirds. David Ross, uh, in my opinion, correctly with with the quick hook there. I think that was the correct call. Mm-hmm. Um, goes to Brandon Hughes, who goes two thirds of an inning, uh, just a walk and a strikeout, no hits. Uh, then Julian Merriweather follows with two thirds of an inning, uh, a hit, a walk, and two strikeouts. Uh, and then the big keys, I think, on Friday, Edward Alzali with a clean inning of work, just one strikeout, nothing else. Uh, and our boy, the CHGO Cubs boy, Mark Leiter Jr., picks up the save, strikes out the side, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we've been telling you, Mark Leiter Jr. has been really good out of the bullpen, and I know like he'll have one bad outing. He's one of those guys, in, in this sense, right, only this sense reminds me of Pedro Strope, that people will never forgive him for those bad starts that he made. Pedro Strope, it was a home run he gave up to Johnny Peralta. He blew a game against the Cardinals, I think, in 2015. People never forgave him, even though he was one of the best and most consistent relievers in Cubs history. Right. That's mm-hmm. true. And I can prove it. If you don't believe me, I'll tweet it at you. Right. But Pedro Strope, one of the best relievers in Cubs history. Um, Mark Leiter Jr. Right. He was not good as a starter and people just don't want to believe it. Right. That yeah, he's yeah. A, a good pitcher. Now, on on a juggernaut of a team, is he closing games for you? I don't think so. Right. Like, I don't think that's the ideal spot. I don't think anybody's suggesting that he is going to be or should be your highest leverage reliever, but he was really good on Friday night. That was his third save of the year, a 2.66 ERA on the season. He's he's just been great. That splitter is nasty. Uh, but the two guys I want to talk about before we sign off, e- even just quickly, Adbert Alzali uh, has just been exactly what you would have hoped out of the bullpen. He is a weapon. He has been really good in relief, a 2.25 ERA for the Cubs in relief. He was also really good on Friday night. And then I have, uh, he did end up pitching again on 
on Sunday, Julian Merriweather on Sunday, an inning of work just a hit and a strikeout. So nothing uh, going to change in, in the wrong direction about this tweet, but uh, a really good note uh, from a uh, friend of the podcast, Brett Taylor at Bleacher Nation on Twitter. Uh, he had uh, a horrible outing to start his season mm-hmm. against the Milwaukee Brewers. Since that first game in relief, he has a 2.42 ERA with a 2.83 FIP in 22 in a third inning of work with a 31.9% K rate and just an 8.5% walk rate. Julian's been very good. And one of those guys who I think in spring training, you saw that velo, you Mm -hmm. saw the sort of like intrigue. And again, like you can't always just say, Hey, pretend this outing didn't happen. It did. Right. But he has been consistently good for a good while here. I think he's one of those guys that I know Ross wants guys to go multiple innings. Doesn't always work. Right. And that's, I think where he's gotten in more trouble lately. Uh, but for a long stretch here, he has been really good. Albert Alzali has been really good. Mark Leiter Jr. has been really good. Like right now, that appears to be the kind of top tier of yeah. your bullpen, and the results are backing it up. Yeah, and I think you know people will still point at with with Merriweather. You know, like you mentioned that first start, um, but also the whole you know a lot of those early in the season were coming in in the lowest of leverage. After that, after he kind of maybe gotten david ross's doghouse so to speak like right like that that's probably not the best way to say it but like he was pitching a lot of low leverage type situations um but more recently he's been one of those guys that ross has turned to um for more higher leverage type uh, appearances um the velocity plays man if you're like he's one he's one of the few guys they have that can consistently reach high, you know upper 90s and when you have that uh if his secondary pitches are working off that like you have yourself a solid reliever and you know, I don't know that, you know, Julian Merriweather is this all-star level type of bullpen guy. But, yeah, like you mentioned, if you have those three guys on, you know, working for the most part, like they're, you can go Merriweather, Leiter, Alzali type type thing out of the bullpen every game. Like when they're on, you feel good because they have the type of stuff that gets it, that, that makes it work. You know, Leiter's got the splitter. Merriweather's got the the velocity and, and Edward Alzali just has the nasty stuff, right? Like they, they all have things that make them that, you know, that give them the possibility to be pretty solid bullpen guys. And if they're on, like you've, you've seen that the last few weeks for the most part, I know Leiter had that outing against the Rays. Um, and then he comes back and, you know, strikes out Soto and Tato. And I think it was Cronenworth maybe was the, the last out of that game. Like he comes back and, and gets the job done. Um, and that's what you like to see out of a guy like that who lost yeah, like people were done with Mark Leiter Jr. after his stint as a starter with the Cubs, but he's been a pretty solid reliever now for, you know, the last time. I don't, I don't remember exactly when it was that he got back into that bullpen last year, um, but since then he's been pretty solid for him, and he's he's showing you right now that he's a very solid option in that bullpen. Edward Alzali is just he's just a really good pitcher, man. He's got nasty stuff. He's a solid pitcher. Loves the spotlight. Loves the big the big inning type situation. Um, and that's like, that's the first step. Like you have a guy that's not going to wilt under pressure with the stuff he's got. Like you have, again, a really good bullpen option. Merriweather can keep pitching the way he has. I'm not, I'm not going to say that I trust this bullpen completely because they are full of guys that don't have long track records. Like bullpens are volatile anyway, but none of these guys have track records of success as bullpen guys. But if those three guys and even some other ones start to, you know, be, be more consistent with those types of outings. Like you feel a lot better about the bullpen than you did, than you did for most of May. Yeah, <laughs> I think most absolutely. of May was like scared a lot of people from this bullpen, but there are still some pretty solid options in that bullpen right now. Yeah. And I, I, you know, uh, th- there are certain guys where I, I would definitely say that I think Ross trusted them a little too long or put them in high leverage spots too long. Um, I could, there's, there's certainly things I could nitpick, but I think in general, I, I would give Ross for as much as I complain about certain things he does in the lineup. Uh, one of which is leading off guys with, you know, sub 500 OPSs, but I didn't have time to get into that today. So we'll <laughs> leave it for another day. Um, I do give him credit for, you know, he, he moved guys around. He stopped using, you know, like Michael Fulmer in, in high leverage, right? He, he, he moved guys around and he's ended up trusting now the best pitchers in this bullpen, at least at this time in the highest of leverage. So, uh, you know, 
I, I think uh, there's there's other managers and other teams that may be more stubborn about this kind of stuff uh, and would not find themselves in a position to be using Mark Leiter Jr. to save a two to one game, right? Or using someone like Albert Alzali the way that they have. So again, like you said, you, you know, you don't have a ton of guys with that track record. We'll see. It may continue to be something where things have to get moved around. Uh, but for now, I think you have found who David Ross is going to go to uh, when he needs to put out fires. You know, if he needs strikeouts, he needs velo, uh, or if he is trying to shut down a close game, I think Friday night was a, a pretty clear recipe for how they're going to try to do that now. Um before we sign off, I do want to remind everyone uh, to check out becoming a diehard member over at CHGO. Of course, we have podcasts and live shows on every team every day, post-game shows and premium written content by our guy Ryan Herrera over at allchgo.com. Dope merch, you get a free shirt when you become a member, access to the members only Discord, the CHGO Lounge. Of course, you get access uh, and those discounts on any events that we do uh, with CHGO. Uh, we've done some really great events at Blackhawks games, Bulls games, Bears tailgates, et cetera. Uh, so be sure to check out uh, becoming a diehard member. I know I saw Marcus Hallman uh, earlier in the chat. He sent us a wonderful DM over on the CHGO Cubs page. He just got his diehard membership. Uh, shout out to Marcus and, and all you others. We appreciate the support. Uh, diehard membership is a great way to support us and everything we're doing at CHGO. So appreciate all of that. Um, and that I think is all that we have for you. So, uh, we appreciate, uh, you guys tuning in, uh, for the Sunday edition, Ryan, appreciate you. How do you, how do you feel? You think, uh, you know, you could fill Brendan's role going forward here? <laughs> no, no, because like, to, I think we, I think today got like a pass for the lack of graphs, but like, I think people, I think that's the main reason people hop on these Sunday shows is to see Brendan's well, graphs. <laughs> I think people hop on the Sunday shows for me, but you know, I digress. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just giving him his, his love, but yeah, no, I, right. Brendan and until Brendan teaches me how to use some of his algorithms and, and make graphs, we're going to let him keep on, keep on the Sunday shows for, for the time being. We'll, we'll, we'll keep him around. Um, yes. So we do appreciate your support. Appreciate you guys checking out the CHGO Cubs podcast. Uh, of course, use that code CHGO when you sign up for DraftKings. The Cubs finishing up tomorrow night, 8 10 Central Time on Monday night uh, with the San Diego Padres. And then it is all night games uh, pretty late for most of the week, except for Saturday and Sunday against the San Francisco Giants. So uh, grab some extra coffee, get some extra rest, uh, you know, put your Goose Island on ice uh, a little later. Because uh, you will need it uh, for these West Coast games, but hopefully the Cubs can follow up a four and two week here uh, and finish out this West Coast trip strong. Don't forget to tune in uh, all throughout the week for your pre and post game needs. Cody, Luke, Ryan uh, will have your coverage there. Check out Ryan's work at allchgo.com. We will, Brendan and I, will be back with you uh, next week on Sunday. Uh, we appreciate your support for all things CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. And as always, go Cubs.